But really, when it comes to sinners, only the Lord Jesus Christ can clean up the mess of our lives. And He can save us. And He can change our lives. And we're so thankful. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer before we begin this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You cleaned up the mess of our lives. You forgave us of our sins. You cleansed us. You made us whole. You gave us a new life. You saved us. Lord, we look forward to our home in heaven and all the blessings that we have and all will have for all eternity. And we just pray now that you will speak to our hearts through the word of God this morning. We pray that you'll hide me behind the cross, Lord. We pray that the spirit of God will nudge us and prompt us and and convict us and challenge us and encourage us this morning. And we just pray that you will lead this meeting. And we just thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, the story is told of a janitor who worked at St. Peter's Church in London. And one day, a young vicar discovered that the janitor was illiterate. And he fired him. And I thought, boy, that wouldn't go over today too well, would it? The ACLU would be on that in a heartbeat and they would be this discrimination and all of these kind of things. And especially, you don't need to read or write to be a janitor, right? But nonetheless, this man was jobless now. And this man decided he would invest his meager savings in a tiny tobacco shop where he prospered and bought another And pretty soon he expanded to a chain of tobacco stores worth several hundred thousand dollars. Well, one day the man's banker said to him, he says, you've done well for an illiterate. Now, here's another. I mean, you would never hear this today, right? You've done very well for an illiterate. But where would you be if you could read or write? The man replied, I'd be a janitor at St. Peter's Church in Nelville Square. And isn't that true? It turned around his life completely. He lost his job and got a better job, got his own business and prospered. And so many times in life we ask this question. Why do things always seem to be going wrong in my life? Why, why can't I ever succeed? Why, why is it always things that goes wrong? And the question is for us, When we go through wrongs and troubles and trials in our lives, it's not a question of if we're going to go through them. It's when we're going to go through them. And you may be going through hard times right now or you may not, but you may be next week or next month or next year, whatever it might be. We all go through times where we have to deal with situations where things are just collapsing all around us and going wrong. Just look at this man. I mean, here he was. He showed up every day, did his job well as a janitor. And this young vicar, who is so probably full of pride and everything, he he says, well, if you're illiterate, you can't work for me here. You can't work for the church. And so it was very, very sad. So the question is, is how do we respond when things go wrong? And we're going to look at that this morning. The title of our message is what to do. When things go wrong. And let's turn in our Bibles to Habakkuk. It's an Old Testament prophet. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17. Habakkuk is right after Nahum. And it's right before Zephaniah. 
And it's a short little book, just three chapters, but a very important prophecy. And here was a man who knew what to do when things went wrong. Let's read it all together. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verse 19. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. And the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. May God bless the reading of his word. And Ed, if you could put the New King James Version, but that's okay for, for now. So we're going to look at these, these points this morning of Habakkuk. Number one, there's choices that we have to make when it comes to times that are going wrong. We have to choose how we're going to react to it when things go wrong. We're going to choose how we're going to react to the trials and difficulties and problems of life. Because they're going to strike. They're going to come. And these are the choices that we have. Number one, we can either fall apart or we can fall on God. Number one. Number two, we can either focus on what we don't have or we can focus on what God has given us. And number three, we can either fret and give up or we can trust in God, rejoice and keep on going. May God bless our study of his word Today, Charles Swindoll wrote a book one time which is called One Step Forward and Two Steps Back. Very appropriate to the subject. And he said this, every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. Every day we encounter countless golden opportunities brilliantly disguised in insurmountable problems. And that is very, very true. You've heard the expression, blessings in disguise, silver linings to the clouds and so forth. And that's really what it's all about. God wants to use the circumstances of our life to use it for our growth and our good and to bless others. And so that means that we have to go through some pretty hard times sometimes. And so our first point today is either we can fall apart or we can fall on God. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 44, whoever falls on this stone, that is on Christ, will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. If we come to Christ and surrender our lives to him, we're going to break, be broken. Our wills will be broken. But if we don't, that, that rock of Christ will come as judgment and we will be ground to powder. So it's a choice that we have. How are we going to respond to the wrong that are happening around us? How are we going to respond when things go wrong? How many follow the Golden State Warriors? Yes, we're Golden State Warriors fans, right? We're not yet putting bags over our faces like they do on some of the sports teams. We're not yet removing our hat caps or our, our warrior's apparel. We're still fans, no matter what happens. 
But last year at this time, I'll remind you, the Warriors were on top of the basketball world. They were the defending champions from the year before, and they won 10 of their first 12 games of the season. Now, they've also almost played 12 games this year. They've played uh, nine games, and they've won two games, and they've lost seven games. And not one player who was in the NBA Finals when they played Toronto last year is on the team right now. All the players that were either on that team are injured or are not on the team anymore. And so the players, you have to have a scorecard. You have to, you have to research who these players are. You don't recognize them. But they're trying so hard. They're working so hard every game. They're making progress, but they're still losing. And so when you look at that, it can get very, very discouraging. And so the coach is saying, Coach uh, Steve Kerr, is this is a learning experience for these players. They have to learn how to play in the NBA. They're young players, many of them rookies. And the Warriors used to be one of the older teams in the league. They're now one of the youngest. And the average age on the Warriors right now is 23 years old. Some of them have never, ever played in the league before, and their eyes are open, they're wide open to how difficult it is to do. But even Steph Curry, as great as he was, broke his hand and it cannot play. Draymond Green is out with a finger injury. Kevon Looney is out with a neuropathy, which I don't know exactly what that is, but it's in his leg and he hasn't been able to play all season long. And on and on it goes. And so you wonder how... These bad things can happen one after the other after the other. Mike just told me last night, we got another injury and we're almost down to the minimum now. You've got to have at least eight players you can suit up for the game to have a team, right? They're almost down to eight. They're down to nine, but I think they're almost down to eight now. It's amazing. But when we go through bad times and we, and we don't understand it, we need to trust in God because he knows what he's doing. We shouldn't doubt what the Lord brings into our lives because he brings it for a good and a purpose. You notice here in this passage that it says the word though. The word though is used three times in these verses, verses 17 and 18. And he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail. And the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, he says in verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Isn't it amazing how some Christians can be so happy when things are going well, they're doing very well. Work is going well. The family is going well. The health is going well. Everything is great. Hunky-dory, as we like to say. And yet, when bad things happen, they go down for the count. You know, in boxing, when you get knocked down, they give you a, a count. And the referee counts one, two, and it goes all the way to ten. And if you can't get up, you're knocked out. That's it. And sometimes Christians can get knocked out. They get knocked down and they can get knocked out. And the devil is out to get each and every one of us. He wants to go after the leaders. He wants to go after the servants. He wants to pick on those who are honoring God. And so we have to be very careful 
that no matter what we go through, whether it's good or bad, we continue to trust in the Lord and thank him and worship him and rejoice in him. You know, we all go through times where we fail in life, where we make mistakes. When we get sick, we get injured, we have hard times that we go through and it's about how we react to it that counts. It was Steph Curry who once said, if you don't fall, how are you going to know what it's like to get up? And when we get knocked down, we have to get up. We can't stay down for the count. We have to get up and fight on. If you're familiar with those Rocky movies and you've ever seen them, you always see Rocky getting hit so bad and just beaten to a pulp and he's bloody and, and all of a sudden he keeps getting up. He gets knocked down. He gets back up and the guy's hitting him and hitting him. And finally at the end, Rocky comes up with, he fights back and he wins the victory at the end and he's the champion, right? Well, that's the way it is in our Christian life. We have to take the blows that the devil throws at us, take the flaming missiles, and we need to fight on to victory in the Lord. Recently, we just finished the World Series where they had the series uh, going on between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. Now, when the series started, they didn't think the Washington Nationals had a very good chance. Houston was such a good team. They had the offense, strong offense, great defense, great pitching. It looked like, you know, Washington was going to lose. But Washington was hot at the right times. And they even had some Christians on their team, too. It's amazing. And it's wonderful. And they went on to win the series in seven games and brought the championship to the city of Washington that had not won a baseball championship since the Washington Senators in 1924. Amazing, isn't it? And so it's amazing how you can go through some pretty hard times, pretty difficult times. Job said in Job chapter 13 and verse 15, he said these words, Though he slay me, still or yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. And speaking of baseball, I read a story and you're going to like this. There was a baseball player who once set a record and he struck out 1,316 times. It's a major league record. He struck out that many times. That same player also struck out in the World Series in five consecutive at-bats in the same World Series, same game, five in a row, five World Series games. Now, you'd think that player would be discouraged. You'd think that player, you'd want to run him out, fire him, get rid of him. He's no good. He strikes out that many times. He strikes out in the World Series under the pressure when we really needed him. But guess who, who it is? Babe Ruth, one of the greatest sluggers in the history of the game. He was the one who owns the record for the most strikeouts, 1,316. And the most consecutive strikeouts in a World Series was Babe Ruth, who went on to hit over 700 home runs in his career. Amazing. We can get discouraged. We can get down. But we should not quit. We should not give up. We should trust in the Lord. Secondly, we need to remember we need to focus on what we have been given by God and not what we don't have. 
Ed was saying this this morning when he came in. He said, that's so true. It's like in our building here. Little did we know that on August 24th of this year, we would have an electrical fire, not in the church, but in the electrical room around the back of the church, that would cause us to have no power in the church between then and now, except for the generators that we have. Who would have thought it? We never had this happen to us before. We had a flood before in the old building. We had many other trials and difficulties we had, but this one has been a, a pretty major thing. But the amazing thing is we need to focus on what God has given us, not focus on what we don't have. So many times people in life always focus on what they don't have, not what they do have. And I'm guilty of this too. It's convicting. It's challenging. And the Lord sometimes has to allow us to go through some hard times, difficult times, losses of job, losses of, of income, losses of health, or whatever it might be, so that we appreciate what God has given to us. Because as soon as you start putting up all the things that God has given you on one side, and then you start putting up what you don't have on the other side, it's out of balance because what God has given us is so tremendous in our salvation and all the blessings we have is so great on the one side that it, it, the other side cannot compare to it. But what do we focus on? We focus on what we don't have. Lord, I don't have this. I don't have that. I want this. I want that. Instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for all the things you have given to me in my life. That was the way it was with the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. As soon as they were out there in the, in the wilderness, the first thing they get, you've brought us out here to kill us. We have no water to drink. We have no food to eat. We have nothing to do. We can't, we don't have the clothing and the shoes and things like that. And God promised them these things and he gave them these things and he took them through these things. And when they came to the Red Sea, this was the amazing thing. They came to the Red Sea and had this experience where Pharaoh and his armies came out of Egypt when they realized, what did we do? We, we let Israel go. Why did we do this? Let's go after them. Let's bring them back. Let's kill them. And so it says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13, when they were surrounded by their enemies, the enemies were pursuing them. The Red Sea went ahead of them. They couldn't go through. The mountains were on the side of them. They were steep and there's no way they could cross in time with the army of Pharaoh approaching. They had no way out. It was a hopeless situation. It was a, a situation that called for desperate measures. And the desperate measures was trust in the Lord. That's the only way. And when we have nothing left but God, then we trust in God and he gives us the victory. And that's what he did here. And he told Moses to tell the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's exactly what they did. He says, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. We get to the point in our life where we can't go forward. We can't go backward. We can't go to the left and we can't go to the right. We're right where God wants us to be because he has us under his control and dependency. And when we depend on the Lord, he'll always see us through. He'll always take care of us. 
The great British Bible teacher and preacher G. Campbell Morgan once said, Our joy is in proportion to our trust, and our trust is in proportion to our knowledge of God. And if you know the Lord, you know he has a perfect track record. He's never failed us, and he never will fail us. And praise God, he didn't fail Habakkuk either. And Habakkuk got pretty discouraged here in this, in this book that he wrote. It says in verse 16, before he got to verse 17, which is this passage is called a hymn of faith. Notice how he was pretty discouraged here. It says when he heard about Babylon and how they were coming against the Israelites, it says, when I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. So he was down. He was discouraged. He was looking right at those Babylonians as they were coming. But he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. And that's what he did. There was a funny story told. And this this is one of those moments where you go back to where Paul Harvey used to say, now you know the rest of the story. Well, back in 1975, this is another baseball story for those who like baseball. Back in 1975, the Boston Red Sox were in the World Series and Carlton Fisk was a great catcher in those days. And he was up to bat and he was at the plate and he hit a ball down the, I believe it was the left field line, right, Fred? Down the left field line. And he was standing there and he was, it was going to be either fair and be a home run or it was going to be foul and he would have another opportunity to hit. And the ball was going down and there he was at the plate waving it. Go fair, go fair like this. And it was one of the most exciting, memorable moments in World Series history. The ball went fair. He hit a home run and they won the game. And it was an amazing thing. But now we're going to hear the rest of the story. Because in those days, as in today, the camera is supposed to follow the ball, not the player, right? They're supposed to show where the ball goes. Is it going to go fair? Is it going to go foul? But the reason this didn't happen is because the cameraman was in the scoreboard, and it's still an old scoreboard uh, in Fenway Park, and he was in this scoreboard, and as he was doing it, instead of being able to focus he was focusing on a rat. There was a rat in the scoreboard that was circling around his feet. And so instead of being able to control the camera and put it on the ball, he left it showing on Carlton Fisk and it became one of the most memorable moments in World Series history. Amazing. God can turn those kinds of things around in our life and take some of the worst moments of our life and turn them into good and to turn them into his purposes and his call for our life. You know, God has given us everything we need in life. He's blessed us tremendously and we should trust in him. And it says in his word in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to remember that 
Because sometimes the fig tree may not blossom in our lives. Sometimes there may not be any fruit on the vines. Sometimes the labor of the olive may fail. And sometimes the fields may yield no food. Sometimes the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yes, they had no food, no fruit, and no flocks. But even so, Habakkuk says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. You know a person has faith when they can look straight into the eye of a serious illness or a serious financial setback or a serious situation in the family or whatever it might be and say, Lord, despite that, in spite of that, I'm still going to thank you. I'm still going to praise you and I'm still going to rejoice in you. Only a Christian can do that. Only a Christian can look to the Lord in the midst of these situations. And our third point and finally this morning is to we can either choose to fret and give up or we can choose to trust in God, rejoice and keep going. That's why Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Does that mean just when things are going good? No, he says always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he adds to it. And again, I will say rejoice. That's amazing. And of course, Paul was in a mansion when he wrote it, right? He was served by servants and, and had a beautiful home with 39 bathrooms. I heard about that the other day. There was a mansion that had 39 bathrooms. Just think. But it's amazing. No, Paul wasn't in a mansion. He wasn't in a good place. He wasn't in an, even a nice place. He was in prison and he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So wherever God puts us, we should be thankful. Whatever God allows in our lives, we should rejoice in him and trust in him. Bible commentator Matthew Henry once wrote of Habakkuk. He said, he resolves to delight and triumph in God, notwithstanding his circumstances. When all is gone, his God is not gone. So you may have everything that's gone, but God will never be gone. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And he says he will, in verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. High hills, not heels, not high heels, but high hills, (laughs) high hills. You know, those deer that live up on the top of the mountains, they have special feet that God has given them that walk, that they can walk on those, those high hills. And that's what God does. He equips us. And so as we go through trials and difficulties and we grow in our life, he equips us to be able to walk on those high hills that we never thought we could walk on. We could we look sometimes in life and we say, I could never go through that. I could never go through it. And what does God do? He brings us into something. He allows us to go outside our comfort zone, to go into things that we've never gone through before. And he gets us through it and he helps us to rejoice in him. So we're thankful for that. So as we conclude our message today, let's remember that we have a choice. We can either fall on God 
Or we can fall, fall, period. And we don't want to fall, period. We want to fall on God. Secondly, we can either choose to focus on what we don't have or we can choose to focus on what we do have, what God has given us. And that's the best approach. And the third thing as we learned this morning is we learned that we need to rejoice and trust God and be thankful and not fret and not worry and not be bothered. There was a hymn that was based on this, um, and I'm going to read it before we close in prayer. There was a hymn that was based on Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 to 19, and it says this, Though vine nor fig tree neither, their wanted fruit shall bear. Though all the fields should wither, nor flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abiding, His praise shall tune my voice, for while in him confiding, I cannot but rejoice. So this week, when we go through some hard times, difficult time, let's remember to rejoice in the Lord. It's a choice we have to make. We can either choose to complain and murmur and get discouraged, or we can choose to rejoice, thank God, and appreciate what he's done for us. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, We thank you for the book of Habakkuk, Lord. It's a short little book. Not too many people even read Habakkuk sometimes. But Lord, we thank you that at the end of this book, after all the different things that were happening that he was prophesying about and the Babylonians were coming to take their their land and as a chastisement for their sin. and, And we just thank you that at the end of that, he could say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Help us to rejoice in you, Lord, whether we're in times of plenty or times of poverty. Lord, help us to rejoice in you, whether we're going through hard times or or easy times. Help us to rejoice in you, Lord, in season and out of season. And Lord, help us to be a blessing. And when people look at our lives, help us always to say, I couldn't have made it without the Lord. It's the Lord that got me through. It's the Lord that's with me through these difficulties. And Lord, help us to give you all the praise and glory. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.